Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Uh, yeah, hello there. Hello, 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 hello. How are you? We made it to Friday again. Uh, guys, next week, you know, is my last, what? What do I have? Three days next week. And then I'm taking a break, which I need. Um, and you do too. I think we should all just swear. I mean, during that month, I'm really going to try to swear off Twitter. Um, all of it. All the stuff that gets me upset. Because I know it'll all be there when I come back. As I said, I figured out this is like, you know, watching a soap opera. And as anyone who's ever watched a soap opera knows, you can literally take a month off and uh, come back and you'll be just fine. You'll be just fine. You might have missed a little thing here and a little thing there, but overall, just fine. Oh, Lord, there's so much. Um, I'm not going to get into the uh, immigration uh, plan that the White House is proffering because it still isn't fleshed out. I mean, I'm not going to start squawking because I'm not a, a cable news show that, has to do that and start speculating and getting bent out of shape before you even know. What I do know is the plan was pretty much written by Stephen Miller, which uh, suggests to me that it's something <laughs> with nefarious intent, however many uh, ornaments might be placed on it uh, that look really good. Anyway, that's all I have to say on that. The thing I saw um, in the news that blew me away were statements made. I just have to share them with you so that we all remind ourselves of that huge segment of our culture that thinks the way this man thinks. Um, this is a guy who has thrown his hat into the ring uh, to run for the U.S. Senate. Uh, again, he's a young guy, built. Looks like he looks at himself in the mirror and thinks, yeah, baby, who could resist you? And he said some things that are so mind-blowing in their misogyny that they have to be um, broadcast a little bit more. His name is Cortland Sykes. That is only a name a Republican can have. You could never find, believe me, a Democrat with a name like Cortland Sykes. And uh, he is one of many uh, Republicans in Missouri, or misery as I like to call it, who... Uh, wants Claire McCaskill's seat. She is a very, very vulnerable Democratic Senate seat. Uh, because what are Democrats doing coming out of that godforsaken state now? I mean, the political uh, reality there is it's, it's red. It's a red state. I don't know how Claire McCaskill has survived as long as she has. Partially it has to do, I think, sometimes with the people who pop off or pop up <laughs> uh, against her. And, I mean, Missouri was the place, right, where the congressman, was he running against McCaskill? Was the, the congressman who said that women couldn't uh, get pregnant uh, if they're raped? That guy, I've already happily forgetten, forgotten his name. Anyway, this, this jerk... Cortland Sykes said that feminists push an agenda that they made up to suit their own nasty snake-filled heads. He also said this. He was at, the question he was asked is, do you support women's rights? And he said, I want to come home 
to a home-cooked dinner every night at six. One that she fixes, and one that I expect one day to have daughters learn to fix after they become traditional homemakers and family wives. He said he hoped his daughters, who don't exist, do not grow up to be, quote, career-obsessed banshees who forego home life and children and the happiness of family to become nail-biting, manophobic, hell-bent feminist she-devils who shriek from the top of a thousand tall buildings that they think they can leap in a single bound. That they all think they could leap in a single bound had man not been suppressing them. But good news, he said, they're finished. Ask Hillary. <coughs> there you go. There you go. Something tells me uh, the only thing that's cooked is not his dinner. What's cooked is his uh, his political career and his dreams of heading to the uh, U.S. Senate. That is mind-blowing. Ugly. But, as you know, he wouldn't have said what he said if he didn't feel that a whole lot of people agree with him. And they do. So, this is the danger of living in our little bubbles where we only are dealing with people who think like us. We do forget. We do forget. Okay, there was that. And then there was, I think, this. No, that's the same one. <laughs> I guess I, I posted a number. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Okay, um, the New York Times today did a story in front of their national section on Pennsylvania's just a single district, and it wasn't the district next door that we know was gerrymandered to beat the band. It's the district that you can't believe exists that is so gerrymandered, it is... Well, they did it, that's why the story it calls it a cartoonish election district. This is the, uh, is it the sixth? The sixth in, um, in the eastern part of the state, which is drawn so that if you've never seen it, it's hard to describe because it's, there's this big hunk, but it, it's constantly jagged edges like this, and then it narrows down to literally a building in a few places. It, and then, and then, and, and it's shaped like, like this. And there's a whole other thing, district, here in the middle. Not quite clearly. Districts should, if you're thinking about electing a person who is going to represent a district. You would want the district, of course, not to split communities because somebody who's, a community would like the same representative, right, either in a state legislature or in Washington. And these Republicans who want to contend that they did not gerrymander they don't have a leg to stand on because all you have to do, it's the 7th District, all you have to do is look, is look at it. It's mind-blowing. And in fact, has long been said to look like Goofy kicking Donald Duck. And the minute you hear that, you see, the, <laughs> you see it. It is, looks like, yeah, Goofy. And there's this leg that comes out kicking the other character over here. It is insane. It is insane. Uh, the New York Times says, At the point on the map where Goofy's foot 
contacts Donald Duck's rump, the district is precisely as wide as Brandywine Hospital. That's all it is. It is one building. And on either side of that building is another district. Two other districts, I guess. The Times goes on to describe it as, In the West, the boundary juts across the grounds of an elementary school, bisects a cul-de-sac, Kingswood Lane, and heads to the north of a Turkey Hill Market before plunging south again. All, I mean, all those, all those maneuvers designed to exclude the Democratic-leaning town of Coatesville. Now, yeah, I mean, and when you see it, you think, what the hell? Well, it's to keep Democrats in Coatesville from being able to vote in, 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 with their neighbors and all of the other people around them. The Times says there are zigs and zags all along the perimeter of the 7th District roping conservative rural areas in and shoving Democrats out. At the juncture where Goofy's head connects to his body in Montgomery County, the district is only as wide as a parking lot. That's the one at Creed Seafood and Steaks. The parking lot. From the restaurant, the 7th boundary doubles back east along the Pennsylvania Turnpike, then bisects the town of Upper Marion, depositing many Democratic-leaning voters there in the 13th district, which includes parts of Philly, which, of course, urban is Democrat. This district alone, you don't even have to throw in our gerrymandered district here with our special election. This district alone is hands down, I mean, exhibit A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. There is no way. And so this is a this is an article about how anybody reading who happened to hear that the Pennsylvania court said, hey, you got to redraw this map. This is how you explain to the rest of the world why. It might look like a cartoon, but it is, as the headline says, no laughing matter. And it's how they steal votes from Democrats and how they get power without earning it in a honorable way. So sick of them. I'm just so sick of them. I did yes something yesterday that shamed me and I can't get it out of my head. And I don't know what to do. I will explain. I'm sure those of you who live in the city know that the number of people begging for money has never been greater, at least in the 30 plus 35 years I've, I've been here. So that you cannot approach a, I mean, walking down city streets, city sidewalks. Yes, a few days ago on my way here, it was a cold, cold day. I, the, the building I'm uh, in is on Smithfield, you know, major downtown street. And curled up, actually he wasn't curled, he was lying with his back to uh, the s to those people on the sidewalk and his face um, up against the building. And it was a man and he was covered by a blanket and he was sleeping. <laughs> 
the last time I saw that, people in broad daylight sleeping on sidewalks in a downtown was in 1970 in New York City. And that is when New York was, you know, had incredible crime and had homelessness. And I happened to be living there at that point. It was a, I, I, and the reason I decided I had to get out of New York City was one day in a hurry, I actually stepped over the legs of somebody lying on the sidewalk and uh, a voice in my head said you got to get out of here <laughs> that's not n a normal reaction somebody's lying face down on a sidewalk you don't step over them So yesterday, and I have said, I, I often give money. Um, but I was in a bad mood yesterday. And I was coming out of a shop in East Liberty. And as I walked into it, these two older black guys called to me. And I... And, and they said, hey, sweetheart, one of them said, hey, sweetheart. And I just thought, I thought in my head, Fuck you. And I walked into the store. And then I came out, maybe 10, 15 minutes later. And as I'm walking toward my car, one of the guys, and he had moved to the other side of the store, said, can you give me, lady, he said, and I just paid no attention, I just kept walking to my car, I was just, no, no, can you give me 75 cents, and I, I mean, I felt a, I, I was angry as hell, I was angry at him for making me make that choice, And I just sort of shook my head and I got in my car and I slammed the door and I looked through the windshield and there was this old black woman who was walking toward him with a dollar in her hand. which he took and I sat there in my fancy car and I looked at these two and I thought to myself you're the rich white bitch who had the money and wouldn't give it to him that woman who gave him the dollar, that dollar to her was probably like a hundred dollars to me. Maybe even the discrepancy even greater. Do you think she's making the calculation? Well, he probably just wants it to buy a drink. After all, there's a state store right over there. No. She just saw person who said he needed 75 cents and she saw the white lady wave him off <laughs> and she must have thought we take care of our own I don't know I can't get it out of my head They do say that poor people give more, are more generous than people with money. And I, uh, 
I believe it. As I said, her dollar wasn't the same as my dollar. My dollar means nothing. Her dollar did. And I guess my anger often at these people who are asking for money is they put me in that position of either having to give or feeling like a son of a bitch. Letting someone else do it. Someone with less ability maybe, less resources. I don't know. Anyway, I'm telling you because I just feel awful. And I don't want you telling me I'm a, it was okay. I, I don't even want to get into that conversation, okay? I really don't. I remember something my sister once said. This is ages ago. We were at a gas station um, in a suburb of Chicago 20, 30 years ago. And a beggar approached us as we were standing outside the car. And Susan immediately gave him money. And when he left, I turned to her and I said, why did you, I mean, he's, I've done interviews of people and they say you're not supposed to do that, that you're just going to do drugs and this. And Susan said, if somebody gets to the point in their lives where they have to beg, who am I to start making judgments about that, about them or assumptions when I have the ability to give them a dollar. Ain't any skin off my nose. And that has stayed with me. But not all the time. And now with this proliferation, what am I supposed to do? Walk down the streets with just a stash of dollars in my hand? And every time we pass somebody who's asking for money... I'm. Can you walk past people and not have that impact you in some way? Your choice. Because I think a civilized nation doesn't have people lying on streets in the winter. And begging at every corner. And I don't care that some of them are charlatans. We like to tell ourselves that so we don't have to engage in any way. They ain't all charlatans. That old woman sure put me in, in my place, I think. I know. And I needed to say that. We have a caller. Hello, hello, caller. Uh, so I'll, I'll, hi. <laughs> I'll <laughs> I'm sorry. Part where I was going to say exactly what you predicted. I was say. Uh, <laughs> no, don't, uh, <laughs> don't, because you know um, no, it I says something about I, our call. It says something about us. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, and I, I agree with what your sister said, anyways. And uh, despite having uh, had that discussion with people in the mental health field, uh, I still give money sometimes. Uh, I was. What actually motivated me to dial was I was very surprised that you haven't seen these people downtown. I don't remember. I don't see them every single time. Oh, they're. Um, I mean, they're everywhere. But I certainly. It's not unusual, especially in Oakland. Uh, there seems to be slightly more. Okay, in Oakland, there's uh, a lot. But I, downtown, yeah, what I'm, I would, just on the block of Smithfield that this building is on, there are, th you know, as many as three um, on one block that I'm that that I walk every day there's nothing right. unusual about it so yeah and I, what I wanted to also say was uh, so I've gone out a couple times in, uh, and I, this is wildly insufficient but on the uh, my wife works in the mental health industry and she has um, they organize I forget what the group is uh, that organizes these trips on the coldest days of the year giving out uh, Blankets, uh, coats, and food, and going to the shelters that are downtown. Um, and it's not only fascinating to do that, but to, to go to the—they take us to the camps. 
around the city. Right. Uh, which are even more uh, just completely mind-blowing. Um, to see that and to talk to those people, on, uh, you know, and you can see how, yes, I'm sure some of them have problems, but a lot of them just seem like completely average people, and to think how they ended up there is really scary. And it, uh, Yeah, and in a country with this... Kid, to, go ahead, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, no, I just was going to... I agree. Well, the other thing that my wife says is that a lot of these, then this is not, I'm not trying to defend not getting money or not doing anything, but she does say that some of these people do choose to not be in the shelters and that she very strongly thinks that that's their right to do that. I'm aware of that too. uh, Yeah. I'm aware of that too. So I don't want to sound like I'm defending any side. It's just, it's a very interesting. Oh, the other thing I wanted to point out is that I didn't know until I took one of these trips is that if you go out to the end of Grant Street and go around the bend at the very end towards the river, there's a memorial to the people that have died on the street. Oh, wow. yeah. uh, there's a number of plaques on the wall there that have their names, uh, which is also extremely shocking to see how many are there. God. Uh, and so I did, I'd, I'd never seen any coverage of that memorial or knew that it was there. So, Thank you. Uh, people might want to take a look at that sometime. Thank you. All right. Bye. All right. Have a good weekend. Oh, oh. What? Why don't you have somebody come on and fill in for you <laughs> for the month? Like who? Gone. It's gonna be. A, a, I don't know. You know more people than I do. But no. That's really horrible to think about that month. <laughs> oh no. No, you're all gonna find some no. podcast somewhere, and I'll never see you again. I. You, no. Uh, Take it off. Take the hour no. off. Don't do something nice for yourself. Don't. We, we don't have to talk about this <laughs> nightmares. All right. Okay. Hey. Thank- uh, have a, a re- I hope you have a relaxing February. Bye. I'm trying. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. And uh, another caller. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn. Hi. Um, my uh, son-in-law was at a pirate game with my daughter, I don't know how long, a couple years ago, and there was a guy outside there, and he said, hey, buddy, give me some money for food. And it happened that the pirates gave you popcorn and free he had a couple of popcorns. They just handed it to him, and the guy looked baffled. Because <laughs> he was being yeah, given. To eat, I mean. Well, it's not exactly you know. nutritious. Um, I don't know. You know, you got to face. It's yeah, just I, I we are in no position to judge any of them. I, you I know, don't you don't know. You don't. You don't know. No, no. The only ones that really get me is the ones that'll stand out with a sign and say, "I'll work for food." And they'll be in the plaza, and you know, all around her, you'll see signs for different companies, businesses hiring, all around there. Well, if you're going to work for, well, here's the thing: they might not have, um, you know, they might not have the kind of resume that anybody's going to give them a job. You know, they, you don't, you don't know. You're going to. We tell ourselves, we tell ourselves stories so we can keep walking past them and i mean some of us are in a position to be able to help society that has that i mean you're not gonna get rid of it it's gonna be there it just seems like we have a lot of it we have a lot of it because we don't have a safety net in this country and because because the the chasm between uh the rich and the poor is growing as we speak and uh uh-uh People perfectly, people who are not mentally ill are falling into homelessness. People who are not drug right. addicts are falling into homelessness. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it says something about us. I'm sorry, it just says right, something about exactly. us, and 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 we shouldn't try to make it easier on ourselves. But thanks. No. Nice to hear from you. Okay then. Bye. 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 We have another call. Good God. Hello. Yes. I just wanted to let you know that I will really miss you in the month of February. Thank but you. But I also wanted to tell you about a time I was going towards the Liberty Tube, and it might have been about a month ago, and there was a woman there begging, and I kind of ignored her at first, and then when I looked at her face, she looked to be about 80 years old. Oh, it just broke my heart. Oh, I my opened God. my wallet, and I, I tried to make eye contact with her but she had already gone farther down 
and she didn't see me. It was just her back towards me, but I felt so guilty driving through those Liberty tubes thinking that that poor woman who reminded me of my grandmother had to stand there and beg in the cold. There you are. Okay. Thank you for the story, and thanks for this, the nice uh, words. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And bye-bye. Bye-bye. And I want all you guys to enjoy your vacation from me. I would. That's why I'm I'm taking a vacation from <coughs> Lynn Cullen. That's what I'm doing, actually. Uh, Ray writes a story you told about the panhandler. It was very moving. It is always a hard struggle between being just and merciful. I recommend merciful. Me too. When I run into the street beggars, I remind myself of the writings of Peter Morin, or Morin, I don't know how to pronounce, I'm sorry, um, co-founder of the Catholic Workers' Movement. I spent some time on a Catholic worker farm when I was young, and it stays with me. Um, so a sample of the, the writings he's speaking of is this. Modern society calls the beggar bum and panhandler and gives him the bum's rush. But the Greeks used to say that people in need are the ambassadors of the gods. What we give to the poor is what we take with us when we die. Wow. And here's one more Ray has shared with us. The coat that hangs unused in your closet belongs to the poor. That's all good stuff, and I wouldn't argue with any of it. Uh, for people who like to ask, what would Jesus do? He wouldn't walk past. He wouldn't walk over. He wouldn't wave off angrily because he had something to do. Um, just wouldn't. But it's a societal and a systemic problem that cannot be fixed by us giving a dollar here and a dollar there. It, that's not the way to really address the problem. And we're not addressing it at all as a country. Um, Josie writes, this is an honest question. I'm not implying anything. When seeing men on the streets, homeless, asking for money, I always wonder where the women are. Where are they? Are there more family facilities available to help women and not the men? Listen, there are a lot of women on the streets downtown. A lot that are begging. They aren't all men. More and more I'm seeing women. So, do I have a call? Hello, caller. Hello. Hello? Hi. Hello? Yes, hi. Hey, Lynn. Hi. Hey, it's Jonathan. Um, I wrote an article about a year and a half ago about uh, Dr. Jim Withers. That's, uh, you know, I was trying to think of his name. I was trying to think of Dr. Yeah. Withers' name. What an amazing man. Oh, uh, He's amazing. And I wrote the article when he was nominated as one of CNN's top ten heroes. Right. And I, I asked him only 15 minutes of his time, and we wound up uh, almost an hour. One of the things I asked him, that he, I said, you know, sometimes my young daughter and I see somebody on the street asking for money, and I always wonder, well, should I give them money? Is that going to go to alcohol, or should I give it to a charity, what's the best thing to do? He said to me, you know, if he's going to spend that money on a little alcohol and it's going to ease his pain temporarily, so what? I Let saw. it be. Wow. And uh, so that that is what I, and he said, you know, giving to a charity, a shelter, that's wonderful too, but if he needs to um, ease his pain for what he's going through, then that's okay. So that's what I've carried with me since I spoke with him. Well, coming from him, wow. That's Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Always good to hear from okay, you. Bye. You too. Okay, bye. Bye-bye. And um, 
Chuck writes that $18 million for a wall could go a long way to helping the homeless. These people surely need those daily dollars, but what they really need is a leg up and a way off the streets. And only government or corporate America or both together could do that. And they got more important things to do, like enriching themselves. Do we have another call? Caller, hello. Hi, Lynn. Hi. Um, first, first of all, I have to say that um, back when Reagan was in, there used to be facilities uh, for people with mental illness. And um, he's the one that I believe did away with the the. It was warehousing, and yes, that's another whole issue. But in the meantime, um, he just dumped all these people with mental illness on the street. He eliminated it with um, Mayview. There were uh, actual places for these people, and it is mental illness. And it, it's heartbreaking because who's to say when uh, one of us, you know, we may yeah. slip. It may, it, you, we don't know. It, it's mental illness, and that's another whole Right. Uh, discussion because right. that is in you know it's so unaccepted in our society and understood and, and right. all that but there it was a safe place up uh, a friend of mine a co-worker he lived in Bethel Park and um, a neighbor uh, it was had a situation and and had to had to bring this was back around Reagan Reagan's times and had to bring her son her mentally ill and dangerous son home and um it was his name was the, my co-worker was bob moran and um he lived in uh a, a suburban area in bethel park uh, his dog was outside and all of a sudden uh the dog got shot dead and bob went out and said what are you doing to the neighbor and um they they the, the neighbor that was mentally ill, shot Bob dead over the dog. And it was, I don't think I will ever recover from that, but at that time, it was at the same time of Reagan doing away with the, okay. the social, um, the, 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 you know, the government's support and having places. Uh, you know, it, it was, I, I just said it was, it was, my God, Reagan did this. And, well, and here we are. Okay. Thank you. You know, uh, I, I hate to rush people off, but we keep getting call I got more calls. Oh, I, I, but one thank more you. second, one more second. Lynn, one thing is um, last time when you took a, a, a sabbatical break, and justifiably so, uh, remember the coming back, how it, it, it wasn't an easy uh, transition back in. And um, I've got to testify that, no, when you're gone, I just draw, I actually get, get to things I should be doing. But Good. You are... Sadly, I, there is no, I personally do not replace you with something else. Okay. It's, well, good. It's a fact. <clears throat> good, good. We'll all be better for it. February off, I hope everybody. You, but I, just, I hope you come back, honey. Oh, I will. Thank you. Thank Alrighty. you. Bye. I mean, as far as I <laughs> Bye. know. Bye. Um, and I just want to say this about, uh I'm not sure Reagan is necessarily to blame for the closing of uh, mental hospitals. My memory of it is that liberals uh, found the hospitals to be, you know, one step removed from, uh, you know, hellhole uh, warehouses. And there was a large, I mean, it was a big push by, you know, Folks like me to let these people out. <laughs> they didn't deserve to be treated that way. So I don't know. Um, that would take some looking back and the history of. But uh, that was something that was mishandled in every possible way. Every possible way. And we are still uh, dealing with the, with the end results. Uh, caller, hello. Hello, I think I heard a beep. Yes, you did. Hi. Okay. Hi. Yeah, I was dialing the phone when the uh, caller previous to this caller said what I was going to say. Ah. Uh. That was that, um, like when I gave money to people on the street. During the Three Rivers Arts Festival back in the day, I used to give large sums. Because <laughs> I'd have large sums of cash in my pocket. I'd give them like a 20. 
And um, yeah, I've done that too. It makes you feel good, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, and now I said, uh, you know, because my mother had passed away like years ago, and I said, this is, you know, this this is from my mother. You know, I say stuff like that. But the point was that you know people say, why are you giving them that money? Then they're going to do anything but drink it up. And I said, dude, they're living on the street. <laughs> yeah. You know, that 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 little bit of escape, you know, of alcohol or whatever thing they're popping in their body for that little bit of escape from living on the street. Exactly. I'm okay with it. You know, because that's, you know, I'd be hoping, you know, <laughs> and there's been plenty of times that I was, you know, one paycheck, one person not paying me, that I could have been homeless. Very close. You know, all, you know, it's happened to me a few times mm-hmm. you know, in my career. So, yeah, I have empathy, sympathy, you know, go out there. You know, good thing I have, like, rich friends that I don't have to go on the street and beg. I'll just beg money from people. <laughs> You can always yeah. get money from me, Clarence. <laughs> you might be getting a call. All right. <laughs> All right. Be more so than happy. Have a good vacation. I was, I was actually surprised to hear that, but have a good vacation. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm taking February yeah. off. Yeah I, yeah, I heard that during the, during the, I was like, oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Always good to hear from you. Um. Another uh, instance of, I think it was the other day that I was saying something about, okay, so fine, they, uh, they're funding CHIP for six years, but, and I'd read somewhere that there's no hospitals for these kids to go with their insurance. And I couldn't quite figure out what it was I'd read, and here it is again. I just want to clarify that remark. There are uh, community health centers and these are uh these were set up under federal law and they are there to uh mostly uh handle rural uh rural poor and to provide health uh care for let me see I'll get it here There are 264 of them just in Pennsylvania, and they provide health care to about 800,000, wow, patients in Pennsylvania alone, the vast majority who are poor, are uninsured, or on Medicaid, or Medicare, or CHIP. And guess what? The grant that provides the federal funding for these centers has been unfunded for four months. And these centers are laying people off. They're closing down. And so if you're living in a rural area and you're poor, which often go together, um and you were fearful of losing your chip coverage for your children, and then, thank God, they finally got that funded again. And it turns out that the place you would go to get your child care can't help you because they're going under because this Congress will not fund them, will not do its business, is too busy finding secret societies and FBI uh you know, I, I, you know, it, it, the it's not incompetence. This Republican Congress, it's just cruel, cruelty, malfeasance. Whatever oath these people took, they are in violation of it. This program, the community health centers, you will not be surprised, was came to be under a Democratic president because Democrats do try to take care of the least of us. And it was Lyndon Johnson in 1964. And those community health centers have been funded since then. The Post-Gazette has an article on the front page I don't know who wrote it because no byline. And it says that in Center County, in Cameron County, in Elk County, those are all 
rural counties, red as hell. They vote for these Republicans. They vote for Trump. And he, they turn around and screw these people. And they get away with it. Incredible. I have another thing I need to get to. I'm going to get my, e let's get some emails in here. And then I, I want to share just one thing with you again. Uh, Barbara says, Pe people give more when the beggar has a cat or a dog. Well, that's true. And I think, yeah, often you see, I've rarely seen a cat, but I've, they come with dogs. And you, isn't that something, though? That we're more, and we've talked about this, we're more inclined, our hearts are touched more by the thought of a dog without shelter or a dog going hungry than the human being that the dog is accompanying. And we know that's true. I admit it. The hell is that about? Chris writes, you are right, there are a lot of women that are homeless and begging in the streets. I saw a woman just this week at the corner of Bates and 2nd Avenue. Her sign has been in my mind ever since. It said, too ugly to prostitute, too kind to steal. Wow, just heartbreaking. In that area, she says, Bates and Second is very popular with the homeless. Incredible. Okay, so was it yesterday that I talked about these school shootings that there's one literally every other day in this country we're not even through the first month of the year and there have been 11 school shootings <coughs> I told you that and I have to say that when I said it I thought God you read the papers you know wouldn't I have remembered 11 school shootings? And I said, well, it's so commonplace that we don't even pay attention. Maybe half the time these things aren't even covered. Well, somebody who saw the same reports, and unlike me, had the, had the same feeling, but then went looking, uh, that uh, this is after the... Horrific shooting at uh, in Kentucky at the school where two children were killed, and uh, a whole lot more—15, 16—injured—and I know one is in very critical condition. And he pointed out that I think the story I saw was a New York Times story, and that it said. In the story, gunfire ringing out in American schools used to be rare and shocking. Now it seems to happen all the time. Well, he went and looked for the 11 shootings that the reporter was talking about that led me to say literally every other day this year there has been a school shooting. And what he found was that there were one, two, three, four, five, six. There were five shootings that all of us would agree were what we think of when we think of a school shooting. <laughs> Bad enough, there were five shootings in schools that bear a resemblance to the Kentucky shooting with not as great a death toll or whatever, but yes, school shootings. The others that were added in to get to 11 for the number of school shootings, 
are a little dicier and and I I'm 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 sharing this with you uh because I think it's important uh when we're trying to reach people to be rational about the overabundance of and ready availability of guns in our culture it's not helpful to mm, sort of play with the facts to make something seem even worse. It is worse than any other country on the earth. We do not need, nor do reporters for the New York Times, need to fudge it and exaggerate it for a story. If that's our thinking now, then we're in big trouble. It's more than bad enough, sticking to the facts. So here are some of the incidents that were put under school shootings. A 14-year-old in Arizona committed suicide in a school without threatening anyone else. Now that is different, is it not? Another, a shot from off-campus struck a building at California State University, San Bernardino. So that was a shot being fired from who knows where and who knows what, and it hit a, uh, a school building. That's not what I had in mind either. A veteran with post-traumatic stress disorder shot himself in the parking lot of a closed Michigan school. No students were present. That's not, I'm just saying, and that really is not good. Schools shootings happen with horrifying consistency and frequency in this country. There is no need to start fudging the reality. This guy ends his piece. His name is Daniel Lee. This is not the place to relitigate the gun control arguments that most readers already know inside out. But it is fair to say that distorting reality to advance a particular approach is counterproductive. It obscures the real issues and antagonizes the well-meaning people who have come together or are trying to come together to solve the problem. I agree with that wholly. So I wanted to, I, that's just to clear my own conscience at having promulgated uh, that, which I don't think stands up to, uh, to scrutiny. Also, in regard to homeless, I want to give you some numbers here. It's just mind-blowing. This is from a, an a op-ed piece uh, in the New York Times uh, yesterday. And it's written by a guy who I think won the Pulitzer, I remember. Oh, no, he won the Nobel. That's right. Angus Deaton, uh, professor of economics, who won the Nobel along with his wife, I believe, for their incredible research, or no, the wife didn't, he got it, even though she was very much part of the research. Um, he, they, their research showed that white Americans were becoming less healthy, were dying, their life expectancy was going down, and that was the first sort of, hey guys, look at this. This ain't happening anywhere else. It's happening here in the greatest country on earth. And so he just has a few more facts. And I want to, when we talk about poverty and people begging, this blew my mind. And this guy is a Nobel winning economist. I think probably a pretty reliable source. He says this. Parts much of Appalachia, which is really us, much of Appalachia 
and the Mississippi Delta, life expectancy is lower than it is in Bangladesh. That's America. Life expectancy is lower than in Bangladesh. Many Americans, especially whites, with no more than a high school education, have seen their health worsening and worsening and their life expectancy is falling. Mortality rates from drugs, alcohol, and suicide are rising. And according to the World Bank, listen to this, 769 million people, that's three quarters of a billion human beings, live on this planet with less than a dollar ninety a day. These are the world's very poorest. Incredibly, over three million of those people. are Americans. So his point was, when we talk about poverty and then you, you know, you give to save the children overseas, he said, guys, hello, look in your own community. You try living on a dollar ninety a day because Americans are or on perhaps the equivalent of what a dollar ninety would be in America. I mean, I, I don't know. It's mind-boggling. Okay, where are we at? We got a few minutes. These are all things I wanted to share. Um, this so-called big story about Trump wanting to f uh, ask his uh, the White House counsel to fire. Uh, Mueller back in June and that the only reason it didn't happen was the council refused to do it and said he'd resign and then that backed Trump off. Uh, anybody find that shocking news? No. Me either. And I've been wondering, you know, the the... Michigan State case with over 150 young girls being molested by this monster doctor. That is, and now you have the president of the university resigning. You got the fallout from this is just starting. And Michigan State is about to experience what Penn State experienced with the Sandusky situation. But I was thinking, isn't this interesting? The Sandusky thing had to do with football and had to do with Paterno and and because it was a big football power and it was happening in the football locker rooms, that story was so much bigger, right? Than a bunch of hundreds of little girls. And the story appears to be very similar in that the school was told about this years and years and years, kept, as did the U.S. Olympics, as did U.S. gymnastics, and the num just batting it away, batting it away, and batting it away. And I have to tell you, when the powerful, and invariably those are white people and white men, when they do what they do, <laughs> the horrific things that they can do, 
they are untouchable often for years and years and years while abuse of children or women, those without power, continues. And the women and the children are not believed. But it did strike me that there sure was a whole lot more coverage of Penn State with, I must say, a lot fewer victims, apparently. Who's counting? These are all kids that have been horrifically harmed. But man, if it be football, that's big. Okay, that's sort of all I had to say. I really hope you guys have a um, great weekend. It's warming up. Enjoy. And um, I'll be back Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and then Thursday. I am flying out of here and uh, hoping to rejuvenate. Of course, the problem is i got to come back and probably get beaten down all over again. Whatever. I need it, guys. Believe me, I do. I'm not as resilient as I once was. Um, okay, I'm serious. Have a great, 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 great weekend. See you on Monday. Bye. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.